Well, good morning. Anybody else happy to see the sun shine this morning? Kind of nice. And tomorrow's the first day of spring, so all the snow will be gone, and there won't be any more, right? That's, that's what I'm counting on. You know, sometimes the, the things that we love kind of pull us in different directions. So as an example, a few weeks ago, my son Nathan and I were, were coming home from something, and I, I was reminded, uh, because it was dinner time, I was, I was hungry, uh, we, we drove by this fast, particular fast food place, which will go unnamed, but, but every now and then I, I crave and I love a hamburger, fries, and a Coke from this particular fast food place. I don't know what they put in them, I don't know what the combination is, but there's something about that that I just, I love having one of those once in a while. Now the problem is that about an hour after I eat that hamburger, fries, and Coke, I'm like sick to my stomach. So I have this competing loves, right? I, I love the hamburger, the fries, and the Coke, but I also love to not feel sick. And so I have to, to choose. You know, I'm, I'm torn in these different directions. You know, sometimes many of us experience that related to like our work and our family, right? We, we love our work. We, we love a sense of accomplishment. We love a sense of purpose. But we also love our family. We love spending time with them. We love um, making memories, laughing with them. And sometimes those loves pull us in different directions because we feel like, well, I can't be doing my work at the same time I'm spending time with my family. So those things are pulling me in different directions. And so what we end up doing a lot of times to try to solve this, this tension is we say, well, I'll, I'll give part of my, my heart. I'll, I'll kind of divide it up. I'll, I'll, um, I'll give, some of my heart uh, to, my, to my spouse, okay? So I need to make sure that's a, that's a good-sized chunk. That probably ought to be bigger than that, but, you know, a good-sized chunk there. And so, and, and I need to give some of my heart to, to my kids. I need, I need part of my heart for, for my, my work. Um, I need to reserve a little bit of, of my heart for my hobbies. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of allocating the pieces of my heart to the different parts of of my life, and um, so we got hobbies. We, we, we don't want to forget God, so we've got God a section here, and so we've got you know these these portions, these pieces of our heart that that we're divvying up into to different spaces, and then sometimes life changes, circumstances change, and so we have to reallocate pieces of our heart. So so maybe this this was my kids section. So maybe uh, one of my kids has a crisis of some kind. So I need to I need to take some from work and I need to reallocate that up here because right now my my kids need me really badly. Or maybe we come into a season where work is particularly challenging. And so uh, I have to go to my spouse and say, I, I hope you can understand, but I'm going to need to take a little bit of time from you, a little bit of my affection, my heart, and I'm going to move it over here to my work for a temporary time. And so we're, we're constantly like in this reallocation and, and putting different pieces of our heart towards different areas of our life. And the, the problem with this, obviously, is that we, we end up with a fragmented heart. I mean, that's a heart problem. I mean, our heart's in all these different pieces. And so we find it really difficult to be wholeheartedly loving anything because we've got pieces of our heart that are loving all these different pieces. 
And so instead of being wholehearted, we are torn in all of these different directions. And, and, in, and in kind of listing out these different areas of our heart, we didn't even talk about any of the areas of our heart that are dark. I mean, we could say, this, this part of, of my heart is, is a part that loves things that I really shouldn't even love. And that when I, when I give into those loves, it hurts the other people in my life. So there's just all this fragmentation that's going on in my heart. And the good news this morning is, if, if you're resonating with any of this, if you can feel this tension in your life, the good news is that God has a solution for this heart problem, this fragmentation problem, and Jesus actually shows us how to bring all of these pieces back together. And that's what we're going to see this morning and in this new series that we're starting. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's some white ones there on your seat. Mark 12 is on page 941 of those. This, this series we're calling How to Love God. And I, I thought it would be important to address this because people try a lot of different things to make God happy. I mean, some people try to, you know, just go to church more or be nicer to other people, just try to stay out of trouble. I mean, people try to do all kinds of things to try to please God and make him happy. But really, Jesus boiled it down to, to one thing to show us. What, what is it really that God wants from us? And that's what we're going to see here in Mark uh, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse... Wait, am I in the right place? Yeah, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 12. Whoops, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. I had it on the right page after all. All right, so one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Okay, so we kind of dropped into the middle of a scene here. So let me just give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. Jesus is out in public. He's had a couple of people come to him and ask him several questions, really to try to challenge him and try to trick him. And so this particular scribe saw that Jesus was answering wisely. He was giving good answers. So he thought, I'm going to try a question on Jesus, something that has been on my mind, trying to figure out. This was actually a huge debate. Which commandment is the most important of all? This was a huge theological debate for the scholars of the time, but also even for an individual person. If you cared at all about making God happy, then you would ask the question, well, what's the most important thing? I mean, what does God expect? Because actually, if we looked back to the Hebrew scriptures and the Hebrew law, there are 613 different laws. Someone sat down and counted all of them. There's 613 laws. That's a lot to keep track of. Actually, 365 of those, they discovered, are negatives, like thou shalt not. So one for every day of the year. So if you can imagine like starting on January 1st and like trying to keep track of thou shalt nots and by the time, you know, I'm to March here in the middle of March, I've forgotten already what the first one was. Not to mention all the other commands that are like thou shalt and, and do it. That, that's just a lot to keep track of. So people were asking the question, which is the most important commandment? If we had to boil it down and could only, let's say we can only keep one, which one would we keep? And so Jesus answered, verse 29, 
He answered with something that would have been very familiar to these people who were listening. He answered, the most important is, the primary is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus said, this is the primary one. This is the most important one. Jesus is quoting something from, from the Hebrew scriptures that they called the Shema. It was called the Shema because in verse 29 when it says, hear, O Israel, that word hear is Shema in Hebrew. So say that with me. Shema. Now you know some more Hebrew okay, than you knew before you came in here this morning. So pious Jews would recite this in the morning and the evening. They were very familiar with this. And Jesus said, this is the most important command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So it's significant that Jesus said that we are to love, not to obey. Not, obey is not the primary command. No is not the primary command. No God. Some people kind of operate that way. The most important thing is for me to know a whole lot about God. Some, some people operate that uh, I need to serve God. I need to do things for him. But Jesus said we need to love him first and foremost. And I think, I think there's a simple reason for that. I think it's because if we put, for example, if we put no God first, if, if Jesus said no God, with everything that's in you, then we could leave out the love, right? If he, if he said, obey God or, or serve God as the first and primary thing, we could leave out the love. We could do those things without really loving. But if we love God with all that is in us, the serving, the knowing, the obeying is going to come along with that. So Jesus said that is the primary Thing that we need to get right. If we can only get one command right. In fact, he said in, when, in this parallel scene in the book of Matthew, he said all the law and all the prophets hang on these top two commands. The one that we read, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said every law, all 613 of those laws can be boiled down. If you keep those two, you will have all of them covered. So it's really important to understand what does he mean? If this is the primary command and if this is the key to being obedient and and pleasing God in every way, it's really important to understand what it means and what does it look like in our lives. So he starts with the word love. So we should understand what what is the word love. Well, the, the Greek word there is agapao and there are several Greek words so this is significant. Uh, to understand what is unique about this particular word. Agapao is not a feelings-based love. That would be like phileo, okay? Phileo is when we love people like Philadelphia, okay? When we just, we, we feel warm fuzzies toward people, okay? That's a good kind of love. It's good to feel warm fuzzies. We like that. But agapao is a decision, is, is a decision-based love. It is a love of the will. Doesn't mean it doesn't have feelings associated with it, but it is primarily, first and foremost, it's a decision that I make to love. So so Jesus says we are to love God with our will, okay? Whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel like he is close to us or not, 
We, we love him. And it's, it's, it's important also to, to realize that before Jesus commands us to love God, we need to understand, we, the only way we even know what love is, what agapao is, is because Jesus demonstrates that for us. So in 1 John chapter 3, it says, By this we know love, that, that same word, agapao, um, agape, that he laid down his life for us, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And then he goes on to say, we love because he first loved us. So you and I, before we're going to be able to know how to love God back, we're going to have to receive what God's love is. And he defines love as, here, if you want a picture of what love is, just, just look at the cross. If you want a picture of love, it is the fact that God was willing to come in the person of Jesus Christ, to give his life in your place and mine, to live the perfect life that we could not live. And that is what love is. And that is the basis we love. The only reason we can love anyone around us or love God is because he first loved us. So Jesus starts with love the Lord your God, and then he goes on and, and expands on that, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He's, he's very specific about this. He doesn't just say all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So for the next four weeks, we're going to take a week on each one of those. So next week we'll look at soul and then mind and then strength. But today we're looking at heart. He could have actually just stopped with all. Love God with your all, right? But he says love God with all your heart. So today we're looking at heart. God calls for all of my heart. Not, not a piece of my heart. Not in my fragmented way of dividing my heart up into the different pieces of my life. He doesn't want to just be one among many God wants all of it. He wants us to love. So how do we do that? I mean, if we still have family to love, we still have work, thing, we have these responsibilities. Say, how do we love God with all of our heart? Well, let's talk first, before we answer that, let's talk first about what is our heart. Okay, our heart encompasses a lot in the scripture. It encompasses our, our emotions. So when you feel happy, sad, excited, all, all of our emotions. So God says, I want you to love, Jesus says, love God with all of those emotions, whether you're happy or sad, whatever end of the pendulum you're on, love God with all of that. Heart also encompasses our thoughts. So there's, there's overlap here with our mind. There's not a real clear distinction there, but our thoughts, our imaginations, our creativity, love God with all of that. And with our will, so our intentions, what, what direction our heart goes, what decisions we make. God, Jesus says, love God with all of that, with all of your heart. Jesus says, he, he wants, God wants one heart from us, one united heart, loving one God. Did you notice in verse 29, the, the introduction here before the command, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's how many? One. 
So he wants all of our, he wants our heart to be one. He doesn't want our heart to be fragmented in different pieces. He wants our heart to be one, loving one God. Now, some people get confused on this because we say, well, aren't there three gods if there's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit? No, there's, there's one God who exists as three persons. Like, if, if you're part of a family, you are one family, that family is made up of distinct persons. And so the God, the true God who exists, as he has revealed himself to us, he says he exists as three persons. So there's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. But they are one in purpose, one in intention, one in their love. And Jesus says, as, the, as God is one, we are to be wholehearted, one heart, loving God. So, he calls for oneness in us. And what that looks like is saying, whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever area of my life I'm pursuing, I'm doing that as an expression of love for God. So if I'm loving my spouse, if I'm loving my children, those, those things are coming together. If I'm loving my, my work, I'm, I'm bringing those things together because I am loving God in loving those other people. Did you notice when we were looking at 1 John how, how closely linked, and even here as Jesus gives us the, the greatest commandments, how closely linked it is to love God and love the people around us. Loving the people around us the, the way we live our lives has the potential to be an expression of our love for God as we yield those things to him and say, God, I, I want you in the center of every part of my life. But see, God has to be the center piece. If God is just one piece off by himself, then we're going to be fragmented. But if God is in the center, if God is first, then all of our hearts can be united and everything that we do can be an expression of love for him, can be an expression of worship. So as a church, we say we want to we help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And what a fully committed follower looks like is someone who worships, who, connects with, who worships God, connects with others, serves, and shares. And so worship looks like putting God first in my life first and primary, and loving him before I love anything else. When he is in the center, and when we're loving him first, then everything else can come alongside of that and be an expression of that. So as I'm loving my family, that's an expression of my love for God. As I am doing my work, I'm saying, God, this is an expression of my worship to you. As I'm driving my car, Right? Just the mundane things of life. As I'm driving my car, it can be an act of worship, an expression of love to God. Why? Because I choose not to tailgate. I choose to maybe let somebody else go first. Right? So I'm expressing my love for God in every area of my life. And so my heart begins to come back together and be united. But the, the only problem with, with bringing our hearts back together this way is that there's still the piece of our heart that's the dark part that God can't be honored with. Right? There's, if there's a part of my heart where I love things that God does not love, then that's a problem 
because I can't worship God with that piece of me. So back to the, to the driving, I, I'm just going to share just a, a, a little dark part of my heart, so I hope that you'll still respect me after this. But as I'm driving, there's, there's one, one of my pet peeves, one of my strongest pet peeves is tailgaters. So that's why I brought that up. So when somebody comes up riding on my tail, I, there's just, there are things that go through my mind. And there's, there's actually a, a, a fantasy that goes through my mind where I think, here's, here's what I want to do at that moment. Okay, they're right, right there. I just want to slam on my brakes. And I just want to see their beautiful car just get all crunched up. And I, I don't want them to be hurt really bad, but, but maybe just a little bit. I mean, I just I want them to, to learn a lesson from this. And I don't even care that it's going to mess my car up because they're going to have to pay for that because they will be at fault, right? See, this is the dark part of my heart. I mean, I, I can't really honor God with that thought when, when that is in, in my mind. I'm sure you maybe never have uh, dark thoughts like that, but... You know, th- think about, for yourself, don't raise your hand and don't think too long on this, but think about the unkindness. Think about envy. I mean, these are the parts of our heart that actually become hardened. They, they become the, the parts that, you know, how, how do you break into that? How do you honor God? How am I supposed to love God with that piece of my heart? Jesus actually said, if you can flip back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said that the dark things in our lives come out of our hearts. So in in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. So how am I supposed to honor God, worship God with a hardened part of my heart that is dark and wants to do things that God does not love? Well, this is a problem that we cannot solve. This is a problem, maybe you've tried. Maybe you've tried to get some counseling, you've tried to read some books. Maybe you have uh, tried to change your life in some way, and you recognize that it's still there. It just it doesn't go away. And that's because this is a problem that only God can solve. Ezekiel Chapter 36 says this. This is God speaking. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So what God does for you and me that we cannot do for ourselves is he says, I will take your mess of a heart. I will take this heart that is fragmented. I will take this, these pieces that are hardened. I will take that from you and I will give you a new heart. Do you notice in, in that verse how many times God says, I will. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
This is an operation, this is a heart surgery that you and I cannot do for ourselves. Only God can make this change in us. And only he can make this change in us as we recognize those dark places in our heart and we come to him and say, God, I can't do anything about this. I need you to make this change in me. So that gives us hope. Because what God wants to do is he he wants to take our old heart, he wants to take the part of us that is self-centered. He wants to take that away, he wants to take the self-centeredness away, and he wants to give us a heart that would serve, that would be interested in, in others. He wants to take the part of my heart that would envy others when they are successful, when they're more talented, when they're doing more than I, he wants to take that part away, and he wants to give me a heart that would be content with what I have, and that might actually even be happy for someone else who has something that I don't have, who might rejoice with them that God is able to do something amazing through through them. God wants to take the hard part of my heart away that is the part that, that might be drawn towards pornography. He wants to take that away, and he wants to give me a heart that is drawn towards purity, God wants to take the old, whatever it is, whatever that dark spot in your heart that you have tried to get rid of and have failed, God is able to take it away. I will, I will, I will, he says. I will take it away. And I will give you a new heart. And with this new heart, Jesus says, to love God with all of that heart, with all of your emotions, all of your mind, all of your will. Isn't this good news that we don't have to be held back by that corner of our heart that we're ashamed of, that we don't even want God to see, we don't want anyone else to see. Isn't it good news that God takes that away? And he says it no longer has power over you. I've given you a new heart so that with your whole new heart you can love me. Jesus says to love God with all of our He says to love God with all your heart. So when he says you're there, that you're is singular. This this is where it gets very personal. Love God with all your heart. This is a personal, this is not Jesus talking to a group. This is Jesus talking to us as individuals. I want you to love God with all your heart. All that's in you, I want you to love me. And so there are some of us here today who love God, but he's, he's a piece of our heart. And, and there are other pieces, frankly, if God is not being loved with the whole heart, then we're loving something else more than we're loving God. And, that, and God calls that idolatry. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You need to love me with all of your heart. And so the pursuit for those of us who who are not loving God with all of our heart, is to say, God, may every, every experience of my life, may everything I do be an expression of my love for you. And if there's something in my life that can't be an expression of love for you, God, I need you to take that away. I, I need to tap into that new heart that you have given me. 
someone may be here this morning and, and maybe you are very aware of the darkness in, in your heart. And maybe you have tried to change that you, and you've, you've failed. You've not been able to make that go away. Maybe you've tried to hide it, push it down, forget about it, move on with something else, but it's still there. And God says to you, I, I can take your old heart, that hardened piece of your heart, I can take that away and I can give you a new heart if you, just, if you call on me and ask me to do that. Because of the sacrifice that Christ made, that is possible for us to have a new life. One of the great heroes of Scripture is King David, Israel's greatest king. He did a lot of great things, but he was a man with a, a fragmented heart. He, he did some great things. He, he loved God a lot, so much so that he wrote song after song after song after song that we see in, in our book of Psalms. So he's expressing his worship, his praise, how great God is. But on the other hand, he had some dark, hardened places in his heart. He committed adultery. He committed murder to cover up the adultery. That's some pretty great darkness there. And yet, Scripture calls David, some of you may know this, calls David a man after God's own heart. How is that possible? How is it possible that someone with such a fragmented heart and who did such dark things could be called a man after God's own heart? I think maybe the secret to that is in a prayer that David prayed in one of his psalms, in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, create. Notice he says, create in me. That's, that's what God promised that he would do, is he would give us a new heart. And, and David prayed, God, create in me a clean heart. That's a prayer that maybe some of us want to pray and ask God to do this morning. Why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes. And I, I just want the opportunity this morning to pray over anyone who is feeling that tension who's feeling that fragmentation in their heart because they're pulled in all these different directions. And God is one piece among many. Maybe you have come into a relationship with Christ, but you're still not experiencing what is it like to love God with all of my heart. If, if that is the case for you this morning, I just want to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray over you this morning. If you want a full heart, a complete heart, if you want to love God with all of your heart, not hold anything back from him, just raise your hand. I want to pray over you this morning. Father, I pray for each of these precious people who are raising their hand right now, each of these people who's expressing their desire to love you with all of their heart. Would you empower them to do that? Would you teach them? Would you pick up where we leave off here this morning and teach them what it means to love you with all of their heart, with every, that every experience of their life becomes an expression of love for you. Father, I pray that you might make that real in their life. And if you're here this morning and you're still in a place of, of darkness and you know it and you've never been delivered from that, if you've never come to God saying, create in me a clean heart this morning, then would you put your hand up? 
indicating that you, you want to pray that and say that to the Lord this morning. And I just want to lead us uh, in, in that prayer. And if, wherever you're at spiritually this morning, just pray along with me there in, in your hearts and in your minds. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, O oh God. Thank you that you are able to make us new, that we don't have to be held back, chained to our past, but you're able to take what is old, make it new because of the great sacrifice, the great love that Jesus showed us on the cross. May we be whole people, people with one heart, loving one God who loved us first. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.